today. There used to be a prominent minister, if I said his name today, some of you would know it, a prominent minister of sorts in our area who twice, two different occasions, questioned me about how I can be pro-life and pro-capital punishment at the same time. And I found that amazing that a so-called man of God who supposed knows Bible would not understand the difference between uh, capital punishment and uh, killing an innocent life. His confusion lies within the parameters and discussion and understanding of today's topic in Exodus chapter 20. But first of all, let's review before we get to that one. We, we learned about who we're supposed to worship. You shall not have any other gods before or beside me. That's God's teaching, first commandment. No other gods before or beside. Then how to worship in spirit, not with graven images, not with uh, bow, idols that we would bow down to and worship. Thirdly, how not to use his name, not to use it in vain, not to use it in emptiness, but rather uh, to use it in praising him, not in profanity, not in false oaths, not in false professions, not in hypocrisy. And then how to regard the Sabbath day, which was the seventh day. It's the day of rest. We're to work six days and rest on the seventh. And then last week, how to treat our parents. We're to honor them. And the fifth commandment we talked about last week was the first one having to do with our human relationships. The first four had to do with our divine relationships, how we relate to God. Now we're into the area for the second week and how to re relate to each other as fellow human beings. So we were to honor our father and mother, we learned, and because of that, there was a resultant blessing. The first four deal with our relationship to God. The last six deal with our relationship with mankind. Today's commandment is understandable if you believe in Genesis, account of creation in particular, because in Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. God created light and dark. God created all the animals. God created all of the birds. God created all of the fish in the sea. He created all the life, and then he reached down and took the crust of the earth, the elements of this earth, and he created Adam, and that's actually taken from the Hebrew word uh, that, that became the name for man. And uh, so God created him, and the Bible says, let us create man in our image. What's this our? There's only one God, right? Are we created in the image of uh, Michelangelo or, or you know, uh, Michael the, the archangel or anybody like that? No, we're created in the image of God. And so when God gives this commandment, it's, it makes sense if you believe that because when you kill a person, you're killing someone in the image of Almighty God, someone created in the likeness of God. So in Exodus 20, 13, thou shalt not kill, murder, or slay unlawfully. The ESV says you shall not murder. The Hebrew word also covers causing human death through carelessness or neglect, which we would call probably manslaughter in today's society. So to try to clear up some of the questions people have about, and this minister had, how can you be for capital punishment and yet believe that thou shalt not kill? Uh, what this commandment does not forbid, first of all, it does not forbid the killing of animals. It doesn't forbid the killing of animals for food or clothing. As a matter of fact, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, uh, they then were covered, their nakedness was covered, 
uh, and God took a, an innocent animal and slew it and took the skins of that animal and used that for clothing and covering for Adam and Eve. And it, was, it became typical of the blood atonement and the blood having to be shed to pay for the price of our sins. So in, in Genesis 9:3, every moving thing that lives shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. And so it doesn't forbid, this commandment doesn't forbid the killing of animals for food or clothing. Jesus, in the New Testament, you say, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, in the New Testament, Jesus ate the Passover feast. And the Passover feast was the lamb without spot, without blemish, that was then slain, and the blood uh, was, was applied in the original Passover. But then Jesus ate it, commemorating that day when the angel, the death angel, passed over every uh, Israelite home. So uh, food and clothing, it's okay. Secondly, for sacrifices. It doesn't forbid the killing of animals for sacrifices. In Exodus 20, 24, an altar of earth shall you make unto me and shall sacrifice thereon your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. And I don't know about you, but if you have been reading from the very beginning of the Bible this year, uh, I try to read through it every single year. If you've started at the beginning and you're, now you, you've just come through all these sacrifices and, and, and the ox and the, and the red heifer and the lambs and the turtle doves and the meal offerings and, and all of these sacrificial uh, offerings that were made for the sins of the people, for the high priest, for the, I mean, it just, it boggles my mind. I'm so grateful and thankful they wouldn't have to do all of that. I'm so grateful we don't have to have a high priest that we go to on this earth and, and present our livestock to be slain. I am so glad Jesus became that offering for you and for me. And he became the ultimate sacrifice. And, and there are no more animals. The blood of bulls and goats cannot forgive our sin. Only the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can wash away our sin. <clears throat> so, for sacrifices, an altar of earth shall make sacrifice thereupon. So it's okay. It was okay to kill animals to make those sacrifices. Also, uh, for protection, when you, if you were being attacked by uh, an animal, um, you were, had the right to defend yourself. Uh, David was a shepherd. David was taking care of his father's flocks one day, and a bear came down um, and tried to kill one of the lambs, and David killed the bear. Another time, a lion, probably a, a, a mountain lion type, uh, came down and tried to take one of the, the lambs, and, and David stepped in and killed then the lion. And, of course, he went on then to face Goliath, having done these particular feasts. So, so we can protect ourselves. Did you read not too long ago or hear on the news not too long ago a guy that was attacked by a mountain lion and killed a mountain lion? I mean, that's pretty awesome, uh, pretty amazing. That doesn't usually happen that way, uh, but it's okay to do that. He's not guilty of breaking this commandment. But, but can I say something on behalf of those who would be cruel to animals just for cruelty's sake? That, that's not right. Animals are, are also a special creation by God, and I know our relationship with animals has been changed because of sin entering the world, <clears throat> but no one has the right uh, to abuse and to be cruel to animals. Uh, it, it just it, it, to me, it, it, it's um, it's a precursor of thing, bad things down the road when people start being abusive of animals. I love these on the internet. So many goofy things. I love these things where someone finds an animal that's in trouble and they rescue them. I I just absolutely I sit there and bawl sometimes. I, 
you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, it just gets to me. Uh, and I, I thank God there are people who are kind-hearted uh, like that. So it doesn't forbid the killing of animals when it's necessary for food, clothing, uh, or, or protection, or for sacrificial offerings. Nor does it refer to, and I, I wish this preacher were here today, uh, capital punishment. That is not forbidden. In Exodus chapter 21, the next chapter, as you're reading in, your, in the Bible, whosoever, and ESV is where I'm reading now, whosoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. Okay? That, let's see. What does that mean? What does that mean in the Hebrew? It means whosoever strikes a man shall be put to death if he dies. <clears throat> but if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which you may flee. If it was not something that you did by ambush, you did by um, intentional lying in wait, premeditated, uh, if it just happened. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, then you'll take him from my altar that he may die. There was this place called Cities of Refuge where manslayers who accidentally killed someone, if they were chopping wood, axe hand flew off, hit someone, and mortally wounded them, God made a provision for accidents like that, and he made a provision of, of three cities on either side of the Jordan River they could go to, and as long as they stayed in that town, then they could not, their death, the death could not be avenged, and they were free to live in that town. <clears throat> but, uh, and also taking hold of the horns of the altar was a special place of protection. <clears throat> but if a person was guilty of murder, they could be removed from that like Joab was in the Old Testament. He was forcibly removed from the horns at the altar. Whosoever, listen to this. <clears throat> it amplifies it a little bit more. Whosoever strikes his father or mother should be put to death. Whosoever steals a man, uh, kidnapping and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Incredible things going on with, with sex slavery in our own nation. I mean, I saw this special last night, and, and I mean, it just blew my mind, the things that are going on in our own country, <clears throat> how the kids are at risk, and, um, and indescribable things uh, can happen to them. So people who do that, according to the Old Testament, are worthy of death, the death penalty, capital punishment. I'm all for that. Whoso curses his father and mother shall be put to death. So wait a minute, how does Exodus 21, 12 through 17 allow for them to be put to death, to be killed, and not be a violation of Exodus 20, 13? Because in Exodus 20, 13, thou shalt not commit murder. It's a different Hebrew word, a totally different Hebrew word, unlawful taking of life. In Exodus 21 is the lawful taking of life because God says, this is what happens to those who violate my laws. In Genesis 9, 6, whoso shed, sheds man's blood, and by the way, it's talking mankind, uh, men, women, uh, whosoever sheds a person's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God he made him. It goes back to the first point I made, that when someone takes a life, they're killing someone who's made in the very image of God. So <clears throat> capital punishment is not forbidden. In fact, it's espoused in the word of God. Thirdly, killing a thief who breaks in. If you hear a noise in the middle of the night, guys, does your wife ever do that? You're just about asleep, or maybe you are asleep, and all of a sudden she says, what's that? Does that ever happen to you? Raise your hands. All right, yeah, yeah, okay, that happened. Yeah, what's that? I'm like, what, what, what? I didn't hear it, because I'm half deaf. I didn't hear it. What are you talking about? I think I heard something downstairs. 
I mean, I don't know how many times I've got up and walked through the house. Don't come into my home in the middle of the night because I don't walk around unarmed. Uh, I, I walk around ready to meet whatever, uh, you know, whatever's going on in the house that shouldn't be going on. So, <clears throat> so uh, but if someone breaks in uh, and, and you, you have a, a confrontation with them and you take their life, here's what it says in Exodus 22 now, verse 2. If a thief is found breaking in and struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. Because you don't know what that person is liable to do. You don't know whether they're in there to harm you, to take your life, or the life of your family members. So <clears throat> killing a thief who breaks in is okay. Of particular interest, number four, to the military community. What about warfare? What about taking life in warfare? Uh, this is, again, a perfectly legitimate. God himself commanded Israel to go into the land. God commanded uh, them to, to do battle with the pagans and the heathen and to put them to death because of their immorality and the fact that immorality had so taken over their society. And when Jesus was personally talking to Roman soldiers, Roman soldiers, not even Hebrew soldiers, Roman soldiers, he simply said to them, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. He did not say, do not prosecute war. He did not say, thou shalt not kill. Now, okay, so, so we're all aware in a military uh, situation that we've had going on for so long now in the Middle East, we're all aware that murder can take place. Illicit taking of life can take place on the battlefield. And, and that doesn't make that okay. But prosecuting war is, is completely okay with the word of God. It does not violate uh, this commandment, thou shalt not kill. So what does the commandment mean? And again, it says, you shall not commit murder, period. You shall not commit murder. Murder is the illegal taking of human life. To simply kill is a broader term. Murder is much more specific and is prohibited. So I kind of came up with this, I don't know how, this three kinds of murder that we might commit. Because I'm hoping, I'm hoping that nobody here is actually committed a physical murder. I'm hoping that, okay? I, I'm hoping none of you have done that. Uh, so, But there are other things that we can do that are harmful and that are destructive to people. So uh, three things I'm calling three different kinds of murder. First of all is intentional murder, homicide. That's the illegal taking of another's life. It could be a drive-by situation. It could be by, um, by getting into a fight with someone and, and killing them that way. It can be crimes of passion. It can be violent crimes result in murder that was not premeditated or it might be premeditated murder. These are, this is intentional taking of life. Um, that is prohibited according to the word of God. Suicide is the taking of one's own life, but it's still breaking the commandment of God. Thou shalt not commit illicit taking of life. Thou shalt not commit murder. So, you, so, folks, let me say this. If you ever get to a point where you, you begin, you, you want to head off this and never have trouble with suicide, don't begin thinking of thoughts of suicide, of suicide. Because the ancestor of every action is a thought. And as people think about, and as people begin to, to play in their minds that there's no hope for me other than taking my own life. There's no, there's no remedy for my situation. And, and if they border on hopelessness and, and they just want to give up, they start entertaining thoughts and ideas. Let me tell you something. Uh, I, I don't believe anybody 
robs a bank without thinking about it first. I mean, I may be wrong, but I don't think so. I mean, you know, I, I've been in the bank standing in line before. I, I've never just decided, you know, I'll just rob this bank while I'm here. You know, I, got, I don't have anything to do for a little while, so I'll just rob the bank while I'm here. I, I think that people think it through, and they plan it, and they try to figure out how they're going to get away with it, and they try to figure out what's the best way to do it, what's the best day to do it, what's the best. I mean, I don't know what all they do, but uh, maybe our police people here could tell us the things they think about. Uh, and, and similarly, I don't think we're going to do injury to ourselves if we don't, first of all, think about it and meditate on it and plan it. And, and, and so don't go there. And if you get to that point, please get some help. Please call. Please call a preacher, the preacher's wife, uh, 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 one of the leadership team members. Uh, uh, reach out to your chaplain. Uh, call a social worker. Get a hold of somebody. Don't allow yourself to think about ways of hurting yourself. Now, let me, let me be real sensitive to this. Can a Christian commit suicide? Absolutely. I may shock you with this. I think a Christian can commit any sin that a non-Christian can commit, with the exception of rejecting Christ as your personal Savior. If you've been saved, you're saved. Then you become God's child, and then he disciplines us when we do wrong, as a father, like a father disciplines his child. And no chastening is pleasant for the, for the is pleasant thing for the present, but it serves a purpose, and it corrects us, and hopefully gets us right, walk in the right path. So I think a Christian can, in fact, take their own lives. So here's what some have been taught. If you take your own life, then you cannot go to heaven. You automatically go to hell. Is that true? No. We have instances in the Word of God where righteous people took their own lives. And God doesn't use the term righteousness. Saul was a righteous man. He, was, he had a lot of problems, no doubt about it. But he wound up falling on his own sword, taking it, trying to take his own life. He had to finally be uh, put down by an Amalekite, but, uh, but he tried to take his own life. Uh, Samson, the strongest man who ever lived, took his own life vir- virtually by, by killing several thousand Philistines at the same time. So there are instances in the Word of God where righteous people have taken their own lives. But I go back to this. If a person genuinely is born again, if they have been saved, which of their sins are covered by the blood of Christ? Is it only the ones they did before they got saved? No. How many of our sins did Christ die for 2,000 years ago on the cross? All of them. All of them except for suicide? So, preacher, you're saying it's okay to commit suicide? Nope. I am not saying that. I'm saying it's wrong. I'm saying adultery is wrong. I'm saying murder is wrong. I'm saying suicide is wrong. I'm saying robbing banks is wrong. I'm saying, you know, there are a lot of things that are wrong. Christians can be guilty of them, but we ought not to go there in our minds. We ought not to think about it. And listen, the ultimate, I think of this every time I hear about someone who, I don't think was a Christian just by, and I don't necessarily know, nobody can know that. You can't know that about me. I can't really know that about you. We can just see the fruit in our lives and maybe get an indication. But, but I think about people who, who have lives that are just not, you know, they don't have God in them, and they take their own lives. I think they thought that was the end, and it's not. There's eternity. Eternity. Can you imagine 
someone lost taking their own lives, winding up in hell for eternity? Is it the unforgivable sin? No, there's only one unforgivable sin, and that is rejecting Christ as our personal Savior. So, so three kinds of murder, intentional murder, homicide, suicide, infanticide, taking a little baby's life, born or not. Statistic is probably old, but 4,000 a day. Back in the day, partial birth abortion uh, seemed hideous. I mean, it almost seems, I hate to say tame, in the light of today's society where you can even let a baby be born. If a baby is born through a, a botched abortion, uh, they can go ahead and kill them now in some places. If a baby is carried to full term and born, they can take their lives. We live in a society that protects whales and birds and fish and eggs and gnats and everything in the world except for little babies. We've got to raise our voices against this atrocity. I, I, got, I saw this and, and it took me back several years because in 1973, the big thing was world, the world's getting overpopulated. You remember that? Overpopulation. We got to do something to control the population. So abortion, part of it was presented. We've got too many people, so we just need to do that. 1981, it came. It's just well, it's not really a baby. It's a clump of cells, kind of like I remember this specifically as an analogy, like a sponge. A sponge in the ocean is a living creature, but it, but it's just it's a clump of cells. It's not doesn't have any self awareness. 1986, it said, okay, it looks like a baby, but it's not really alive because it's not viable yet. 1993, okay, it's alive, but it doesn't really feel pain. 1996, okay, it can feel pain, but it's not a baby, it's a fetus. You ever wonder why they call them fetuses? Because it seems a lot less personal than saying baby. 2004, okay, it's a baby, but it's not murdered because it's the mother's choice. It's her body. Well, the baby's body's not hers. 2015, okay, it's murder, but you can't criticize us unless you're willing to adopt all the unwanted children in the world. Guess what? There are people who are waiting. There are people who pay thousands and thousands of dollars to adopt, and they're ready to adopt if you'll give that baby a chance. So now we're at 2019. We want to kill babies even after they're born. Not even trying to make an excuse for it anymore. We're just evil as a society and don't really care. The psalmist recounts the sins of Israel. There's a whole list of them, but in, in Psalm 106, verse 37 and 80 says, of Israel, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted. It's one of the reasons why Canaan... The people of Canaan were to be put to death anyhow because they were so polluted, they were so far gone that, that it was actually a merciful thing uh, that, that the society ended. At least the, there wasn't a perpetuation of, of morally bankrupt people. Hey, folks, within 18 to 25 days, there's a heartbeat in that little baby's uh, body. And within 45 days, there are brain waves that can be measured. And in a few weeks, they can discern their own mother's voice. In that time, they know if it's daylight or dark. At conception, every physical attribute they're going to have is already built into them through their chromosomes and their DNA. Well, preacher, who will feed and clothe all these children if they're born? Plenty of families. Plenty of families who are ready to adopt. Intentional murder. Secondly, indirect murder. 
the result of things done by people who caused the shortening of life of another's life or even the loss when there was no such intention. We can be cruel. We can traumatize people. Another phenomenon of today's society is this idea of bullying. Okay, there have always been bullies. How many have ever known a bully? Let me see your hands in school. I got, up beat, I got beat up routinely by a neighborhood bully. I seriously did. I, it was like, you know, it was like, oh, here he comes. Okay, go ahead. You know, here, whatever. But, but the, the aggressiveness, the taunting, the meanness, the mean-spirited attitudes of, of, of of killing someone by degrees, by robbing them of their worth and their value and planting in their minds thoughts of doing themselves in. It's being cruel to people. Things done in drunken rages. Things done in anger. Calling people names. Guys, I hope you don't call your kids names. I hope you don't call your wife names. I call my wife names, honey. Baby cakes, some other things I won't tell you. I don't ever call her. I don't ever call her other. I, I, I know. I knew guys that would call their. I, you do too. Call their wives all kinds of unkind things. I don't understand that. The victims can be our parents, our children, our spouse, our coworkers, teachers. Just being cruel, corruption, uh, leading someone into sin. They. I saw they were. They had a, a, a another um, police action where they were uh, targeting people who were buying who were buying liquor for underage kids. Get them. That's just I guess it's just a misdemeanor. You know I, I mean look that do you realize you can cause you can contribute to that teenager's eventual alcoholism perhaps? Do you realize you can destroy and ruin a life? Do you realize if that teen gets uh, behind the wheel after having uh, drunk that six-pack you got, they could kill somebody or kill themselves? you realize that? So we corrupt people, influencing them to do things wrong. Carnality, fleshly living, sensuality. We're not supposed to be deceived. God is not mocked. For if we sow, whatever we sow, that will reap. If we sow to our own flesh, we're going to reap corruption. So the Spirit will reap life everlasting. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. I don't belong to me. You don't belong to you. You belong to God. And then something I call invisible murder, which is not a thing, but I call it that anyhow. Murder that no one sees, but is deadly indeed. In Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immorality, thefts, false witness, slander. And in verses 21 and 22, that same chapter, no, Matthew 5, you, you have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whosoever shall be murdered shall be liable to judgment. We read about that in, in Exodus several places. But I say unto you, Jesus speaking, that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. And whosoever insults his brother, will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. John said it this way, whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We have all kinds of hate going on, political hate, racial hate, national hate, religious hate, 
revengeful hate. Hate is wrong. Hate is a four-letter word. It's the worst four-letter word there is. Whoever says he's in light and hates his brother is in darkness still. I don't have a license. I don't have the right to hate anybody. If a man says he loves God, 1 John 4, 20, and hates his brother, he is a liar. If you hate, you don't really love God. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he's not seen? I mean, look, all you got to do is listen to the radio to hear about hate. Watch television to learn about hate. Read the newspaper. Do you still do that? Read the newspaper to learn about hate. So about a lady who was told by her doctor she had rabies, and so she picked up a pencil and paper and began to write. Her doctor said, are you writing your will? She said, no, I'm going to make a list of people I'm going to bite. Hatred. You see it. You, you see it in the face of people. You see it in their attitudes and their actions. You see it on the road. <laughs> Last Sunday, we, uh, I was at Panera and uh, after church, and we had a, had a little mini miniature uh, membership class. And uh, so we went through the class and we ate our lunch. And I, I turned around, looked, and just then it was a, a four, five, six people from the family I just had the memorial service for on the day before uh, for, the, for their husband and, and father. Uh, and they were walking by on Orange Avenue. And so I went running out, and, and I said, hey, hey, and they walked faster. <laughs> so I said, Mary, that's her name. She still didn't stop. I said, Mary, Mary, quite contrary, because that's what I used to call her. I said I didn't call people names, and here I am. But I'm quoting a poem, right? So anyhow, so they finally turned around. I said, oh, it's you. And we went over and said hi and hugged them. I said, we were just, we'd pulled into a gas station down there. We're going to park and, and cut some guy off. And he, was, he just went ballistic in his car. And I thought he was coming after me saying, hey, hey. <laughs> okay, I got a confession to make. I used to be terrible on, on the road when, when somebody would do something. You know, somebody cut me off and I'm like, they need to learn you can't do that. That's not very spiritual. I'm telling you, this was a long, long time ago. Last week? Or what? No, 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 a long time. My wife has helped me with this because I used to have a terrible time with that. You know what? It's not worth it. Because there are people out there who are crazier than you are. And they will do worse things than you will do. And they may have a gun in the car. I got my, that's why I got my preacher license plate. It helps me. <laughs> my license plate says preacher. So I keep that in my mind because if they don't know who I am, I can get away with more stuff. So, you know. That's crazy. What a, what a mixed up, messed up world we live in. I think I told you this. I think I know I told Bobby. I grew up in East Chicago Heights for a while. Anybody know East Chicago Heights? I mean, it was rough 60 years ago. I understand it's rougher now. So a lot of the gangs, South Side of Chicago, East Chicago Heights. I grew up there playing, and, and so one day I said, let's us Mexicans go out in the backyard. 
And my dad called me upstairs and said, you're not Mexican. I said, I must be black. Because that's all I knew. That's all I knew. What, why? What's the deal with the skin? We all came from Adam and Eve. You know? Those were our parents. We're all related in the human race. This thing with Islam is radical Islam. I mean, calls for the destruction of anybody who doesn't believe the way they believe. But it doesn't mean we're to hate them. That's why we're feeding Islamic children who are poor and hungry in Pakistan. That's why we're helping with that feeding center. Because maybe if we show them Jesus' hands in giving them food, maybe we can show them Jesus' heart in dying for them because he loved them. Let me just close with this. I'm kind of away from the message here, but parents, sin's practically as bad as murder. This is almost as bad. Parents who never teach their kids about the Lord. A preacher who never preaches salvation by grace through faith. Church members who never, ever witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. We allow people who are going to live forever to die in their sins without giving them the truth that can save their souls. That is practical atheism. And I'm afraid a lot of Christians, a lot of us Christians, are for all practical purposes atheists when it comes to not witnessing to people. If you had a cure for cancer, Monica, if you had a cure for cancer, would you share that with your mama? Yeah. You'd probably share it with anybody who had cancer. If you leave church today and you're walking by and someone's house on fire, you're going to try to make sure that everybody's out of the house. You're going to let them know that. If you go by, down here by the bay and, and there's someone drowning and, and, and you have the ability to rescue them, are you going to do that? I'm so proud of my son a few weeks ago. He's a safety officer or whatever in his business where he works. And, and a lady who was giving a lecture had a heart attack and, and just stopped. Her heart stopped beating and she stopped breathing. They came and got him and he got there and everybody just standing around watching. And he immediately began compressions and got the AED thing, which we have right around the corner over here, and, and got her heart going again. If you had the opportunity... If, if, if you know someone is lost and you don't tell them that there's a remedy for that lostness, that they can live forever in a place called heaven, that they can have all their sins forgiven, then you and I, if, if we don't tell them, we are, we're no different in the, in the bottom line than an all-out atheist who thinks there is no God. The greatest of all sins, I guess, ever that were committed was the murder of Jesus Christ. A totally innocent, totally perfect son of God. How many know the song, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? Yeah. I've just been reading on the internet again uh, how that potentially all of humanity was present in Eve 
from the beginning of time. That's mind-blowing. Of course we were there when they crucified the Lord. We're guilty. And there's only one hope, and that's salvation and forgiveness. And so maybe we have never pulled the trigger. Maybe we have never plunged the knife into someone. Maybe, but we have been guilty perhaps of character assassination. We've been guilty of gossiping. We've been guilty of tearing down someone's personality and their and their worth. We've been guilty of, of just hating. We need to make it right with God right now. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to take an honest look at your heart. Totally honest. Would you ask God this question? God, is there anybody I hate or have hated? Is there anybody that I've been guilty of character assassination? Is there someone that I've been gossiping about? Do I harbor ill will toward anyone for any reason? then God forgives. Lord, you see our hearts right now. You know every heart. You know the things that lurk in the secret recesses of our heart that we don't want anyone to know about. And you died for those things too. And your blood was shed for those things too. And I pray all over this auditorium right now that we would confess our sinfulness to you and ask your forgiveness. Because you said if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse this preacher's heart, mind, tongue, I pray. Cleanse every leadership team member's mind and heart and soul. Cleanse our praise team. Cleanse our workers in the Sunday school and in the sound booth. Praise our attenders. God, cleanse them and forgive them. May we make things right with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? This is an invitation. This is an opportunity for you to come. Trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Come and ask for forgiveness for sins. Come and rededicate your life to the Lord. Whatever it is that you need to do, whatever it is. Ryan, would you come up here? Any guys that need to talk with Ryan, have prayer with them. Jamie, also available. Rachel and my wife ladies let's take care of some business today let's do what needs to be done today as they lead us as they sing you come right now on the very first verse don't wait don't put it off come right now
just for you. Come on, join these now. Come on. This could be a this could be an amazing day for you. Do what God wants you to do as you say. decisions have made commitments to the Lord. Okay, we have a convalescent ministry activity today, is that right? We're going to be making some special, tell us what it is, some special Easter. Okay, but you and Donna have a whole trunk full of things that if somebody would like to stay a little while with you right after the service and do some of those things, there are plenty of uh, materials to make those things with. Some of the kids were making them last last time. It was really cool. So if you could stick around for a little while and make that would brighten someone's day and maybe make an eternal difference in their life. You don't really know. Tomorrow night, Ronald McDonald House. Anything you need to say about that? You're set. Okay. Yeah, I don't have any... All right, Grant, you, let's give him Bobby's uh, microphone here, okay? We got that. So you're set tomorrow night, okay? And then uh, check the bulletin for weekly Bible studies and prayer meetings. Be sure to do that. Um, go ahead and be seated just for a moment. Let's show the, the video. And then, Patsy, you have something to share with us? All right, 
Good. So let's go ahead and see. The, this is starting next week now. We'll have a Financial, financial Peace University, University class. began about 20 years ago. And now today we've had over one and a half million families go through this course. This is the place where we start happening to our money, where we start aiming our dollars at our goals. you got to make your money behave. You work too hard to get to the end of your life and be broke. There's a massive group of people out there trying to sell you stuff. They want to interrupt your plan. Don't cash out your 401k. I know your 401k looks like a 201k. Remain calm. The only people that get hurt on a roller coaster are those that jump off. God's all in this thing. He's all about fixing you. He's all about fixing me. There's a redemption story built into this whole thing. And every time I give, every time I understand I'm not an owner, I move along that spectrum from selfish to selfless. Now, this is a boot camp. I'm your coach. I've had some good coaches, and they lit me up a time or two, but it caused me to go places I couldn't go otherwise. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, or you say, I've had it. This is how you get out of debt. You got to run for your life. You got to run, 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 run. You got to bust it. You got to go like your life depends on it. What would happen to the kingdom of God if the people of God were out of debt? God doesn't want his people in debt. So, Patsy, come on, share something with us here. Starting next Sunday morning. this room right over here, we will have our first lesson. Then the following Thursday, we will have this, the same lesson at 7 o'clock. Okay, so if you miss on Sunday morning, you can come on Thursday. If you miss on Thursday, there is a way that you can go online and take the lesson. I want to tell you a 25-year story in about a minute, so I'm going to talk fast. When I married my husband, he had epilepsy, and he had had it for 15 years. And I thought everything was set. We had great insurance, blah, blah, blah. Well, about maybe a month before the wedding, he lost his job. And his job told him the Cobra would not work for him. So we had to pay this exorbitant amount of federal in, um, insurance. And it was too much. I mean, we were just, we were down and out. We chose to go to Dave Ramsey. And we went to Dave Ramsey and learned a ton. Uh, quick food story. My favorite restaurant is Taco Bell. I know it sounds terrible, but at that time we could never afford to go out and he was a step parent. So we took a step parenting class and we took Dave Ramsey. We could never afford to go out. So we chose the fast food where we could get the most money for the buck. And we went to Taco Bell. And our kids, they fell in love with it just because if they wanted to eat out, that's where we <laughs> ate. <laughs> one likes it now, one does not. So um, we lived, we put money away, we got out of debt, we paid those incredibly high insurance, and then we got to where I got a new job, and then the owner of the company fell in love with me, so my price tag just kept going up and up and up. So we decided, as Dave will tell you, if you get a raise, you don't go spend your raise, you put it in the bank. And this will help you get out of debt later in when something bad happens. So we did this for many, many years and almost 19. And um, I walked into the office one day. This was after a reorganization of probably a year had passed. And um, my job was omitted. 
and I was making big bucks. But all along the way, we had never used the raises that I had gotten, and we had always put them in the bank. Well, about a year prior to that, God laid it upon this gland that Dave will tell you about in Dave Ramsey. Um, God laid it upon this gland in the woman's heart to pay off our home. And I don't know why. We had never had problems. I was fine with having a house payment. We could afford it. It was no big deal. We paid off the house. God was readying us for me to lose a huge high-priced job. And I, the, when I went in and I was let go, it was like, whoa, what on earth are we going to do? So I called my husband. We sort of knew it was coming down the pike, but not really. And my daughter was in the hospital. She just had major, major surgery. And it was, my life was a mess at that point. So I worried. That was on the Thursday. I worried on Friday. I worried on Saturday. I got up early on Sunday because I was worrying. And God said, God said, you know, Cobra is going to choke you. But John's insurance choked you once. And you came through that. And when was the last time you talked to Uncle Dave? And in our family, we nickname Dave Ramsey Uncle Dave because our kids grew up on Dave Ramsey. And um, I said, well, it's been a while. And he said, well, you're going to get up close and personal again with Uncle Dave. And I have to tell you today, it's been about two years since I lost my job. Best thing that ever happened to me. I can take care of my grandson. I nursed that daughter back to health, and she now has a fused back and is doing wonderful. I have taken care of my father and my husband's mother-in-law for the past five years, and I was able to go to every doctor's appointment and take good care of them. She has passed away. I was able to help my husband do all of the estate stuff. We're still in the middle of it. And I got to tell you, it was because we were obedient to God when he told us to go to a Dave Ramsey class. And it was because we have followed that all along. And I cannot, I can get as excited as Dave and his gazelles. <laughs> because there is no way, if you walk in obedience to God, that he is not going to take care of your finances. And there is no way that you know today that in... 20 years, you're not going to lose that high-priced position. And you know what? We have not hurt one bit. And the Sunday that I finally gave it to God, we went to Taco Bell after church because that's where we go after church on Sundays. We went to Taco Bell, and after we prayed, we always hold hands when we pray. After we prayed, I told my husband, Taco Bell is the best place on the face of the earth. I got to tell you that God puts you in the position that he puts you in to see if you are going to be obedient to him. And any obedience, he is always, always going to bless. So Dave can get excited. I can get super excited. And my husband is straight line. <laughs> but, yeah, what does he know? But this class is so good because for 30, for 60 minutes, we will see Dave get excited. And then for 30 minutes, we will talk about individual stuff and how you can help yourself. And you may choose not to do a Taco Bell. You may upgrade. But you know what? It's, it's about life. It's about putting your money where God wants you to put it. And God does not want us to be in debt. 
So this is the book. So that's it's, Please come. It's $109 per family. No, 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 no. Let's talk about this. Yeah. OK. So it was supposed to be 129 And then because we were doing it as a church, they dropped it to um, 109 And then last week, whenever I bought the books, and you can't put anything on a credit card because, you know, Dave doesn't believe in credit cards. <laughs> so he takes it directly out of my account. When I bought the books, they gave me a deal at 99 OK. So this goes beyond and above that. Dave says you have to make a commitment in order to take this class. He wants you to make that commitment. 109 bucks, that's a pretty steep commitment if you are in a mountain road of debt, or if you're in the military, or if you are in college, or if you are single, or whatever. There are reasons upon reasons upon reasons why 109 bucks is a lot of money, especially if you lose your job. Um, but I will say this, I will hold your library card if you will take all nine lessons of this, okay? And we, there are two people in this church that have committed to pay you back every dime that you put into this class if you will t complete all nine sessions. You can do it two different times during the week or you can go online and of course I have questions for you. You have to prove to me that you've done it. But um, you know, this is a, a no-brainer. If you've got $20 and that's all you can spare in order to sign up for this class, you put in that 20. If, if you have no money but you have a library card, you put that library card in an envelope and you sign up because I want you to take this class. This class is so incredibly important. You will not regret it. If you take all nine classes, you will get every penny back. What's to lose? Come on, guys, that's a no-brainer. That's the only thing to lose is debt. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Patsy. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right, let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Bridge. Huh? Let's talk one more. Okay, one Sorry, more thing. <laughs> I just want to say how um, exceptionally I'm grateful for these two guys right here. And I get the privilege and honor to um, remind everybody that they are getting ready to leave for two Sundays. <laughs> and so we're going to miss them dearly. And their anniversary, their 50th wedding anniversary, is in June. But they are celebrating in Hawaii coming up. So we're going to miss them dearly. So um, I just wanted to read something that you guys have taught the church and myself. Um, and it's from Lamentations 3, 21 through 25. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. He is the greatest love of all, and you guys are an amazing example. So here, Amen. this is from the church and the leadership team. Yeah, we we are gonna we're looking forward to going to Hawaii. We, you know, somebody has to to help the economy there on the islands. <laughs> and uh, fifty years. I just want you to know something that it goes so super fast. It goes so super fast. So we're looking forward to it. We haven't left you in a lurch. We have our chaplain, 
uh, Sam Contreras, who will be speaking the next two Sundays, continuing on this sermon series that we're in. And uh, so I know he'll do a great job. We will miss you. We will. I, I hate being out of the pulpit, but I love being with my wife in Hawaii. <laughs> Actually, I love being with my wife anywhere. <laughs> Santee, it's okay. You know, I'm just whatever. Let's, let's go. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for your thoughtfulness, and I appreciate it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for being such an incredibly gracious and loving and good God. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I, who would have ever thought? I, I thought I was retiring, and Lord, that this is so much fun, and it's so good, so such good people. I thank you for them, Lord, and I pray that God, you would be our God in our lives and as we leave this place and we see people who need you, that we would tell them about you. God, give us a holy boldness. Give us a desire to, to live for you, to burn brightly for you, to be what you want us to be. God, help First Baptist Church to be a real lighthouse in this community, a saving place in this community, a place of redemption, a place of love and total acceptance. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much for being God's house today.